The following reading from John Bunyan is taken from Sighs from Hell, or the Groans of a Damned Soul. Luke 16, verse 23. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and sees Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Now our Lord shows in this verse, partly, what shall befall the reprobate after this life is ended, where he says, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, that is, the ungodly, after they depart this life, lift up their eyes in hell. From these words may be observed, the things first, that there is a hell, for souls to be tormented in when this life is ended. Mark, after he was dead and buried in hell, he lifted up his eyes. Number two, that all that are ungodly and live and die in their sins, so soon as ever they die, they go into hell. He died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes. Number three, that some are so fast asleep and secure in their sins that they scarce know well where they are until they come into hell. And I gather from these words, in hell he lifted up his eyes. He was asleep before, but hell makes him lift up his eyes. First, as I said before, it is evident that there is a hell for souls, yea, and bodies too, to be tormented in after they depart this life. This is clear first, because the Lord Jesus Christ, it cannot lie, did say, that after the sinner was dead and buried in hell, he lifted up his eyes. Now, if it be objected that by hell is here meant the grave, that I plainly deny, because there the body is not sensible of torment or ease. But in that hell into which the spirits of the damned depart, they are sensible of torment, and would very willingly be freed from it to enjoy ease, which they are sensible of the lack of. As is clearly discovered in this parable, Sin Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Number two, it is not meant to grave, but some other place because of bodies. So long as they lie there, are not capable of lifting up their eyes to see the glorious condition of the children of God, as the souls of the damned do. In hell he lifted up his eyes. Number three, it cannot be the grave, for then it must follow that a soul was buried there with the body, which cannot stand with such a dead state as is here mentioned. For he says, a rich man died, that is, his soul was separated from his body. And in hell he lifted up his eyes. If it again be objected that there is no hell but in this life, that I do also deny, as I said before, after he was dead and buried, he lifted up his eyes. And let me tell you also, whoever you are, that if you close not and savingly with the Lord Jesus Christ, and lay hold on what he has done and is doing in his own person for sinners, you will find such a hell after this life is ended, that you will not get out of it again forever and ever. And you that are wanton and make a mock at the servants of the Lord when they tell you of the torments of hell, you will find that when you depart out of this life, that hell, even the hell which is after this life will meet you in your journey there, and will with this hellish crew give you such a sad salutation that you will not forget it to all eternity. When that scripture comes to be fulfilled on your soul in Isaiah 14 verses 9 and 10, hell from beneath is moved for you to meet you at your coming. It stirs up the dead for you, even all the chief ones of the earth. It is raised from their thrones, all the kings of the nations, all they 
that is, that are in hell, shall say, Art thou also become as we? Art thou become like unto us? Oh, sometimes when I have had but thoughts of going to hell, and consider the everlastingness of the ruin that fall in there, it has stirred me up rather to seek to the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver me from there than to slide it and make a mock at it. And in hell he lifted up his eyes. Second, the second thing I told you was this. Did the ungodly that live and die in their sins so soon as ever they depart this life to descend into hell? This is also verified by the words in this parable where Christ said he died and was buried and in hell he lifted up his eyes. As a tree falls, so it shall lie, whether it be to heaven or hell. Ecclesiastes 11.3 And as Christ said to the thief on the cross, Today, you shall be with me in paradise. Even so the devil in the like manner may say unto your soul, Tomorrow shalt thou be with me in hell. See then what a miserable case he that dies in an unregenerate state is in. He departs from a long sickness to a longer hell, from the gripings of death to the everlasting torments of hell. And in hell he lifted up his eyes. Ah, friends, if you were but yourselves, you would have a care of your souls. If you did but regard, you would see how mad they are in their slight to salvation of their souls. Oh, what will a profit your soul to have pleasure in this life and torments in hell? Mark 8, verse 36, you'd better part with all your sins and pleasures and companions, or whatever you delight in than to have your soul and body to be cast into hell. Oh then, do not neglect our Lord Jesus Christ, lest you drop down to hell. Consider, would it not wound you to your heart to come upon your deathbed, and instead of having the comfort of a well-spent life and the merits of the Lord Jesus Christ, together with the comforts of his glorious spirit, to have first the sight of an ill-spent life, your sins flying in your face, your conscience uttering itself with thunderclaps against you, the thoughts of God terrifying of you, death with his merciless paws seizing upon you, the devil standing ready to scramble for your soul, and hell enlarging herself and ready to swallow you up, and an eternity of misery and torment attending upon you from which there will be no escape. For Mark, death does not come alone to an unconverted soul, but with such company as where you were sensible of it, it would make you tremble. I pray, consider that scripture in Revelation 6 verse 8. And I looked and beheld a pale horse, and his name that sat upon him was Death. Hell followed with him. Mark, death does not come alone to the ungodly. No, but hell goes with him. Oh, miserable comforters. Oh, miserable society, here come death and hell unto you. Death goes into your body and separates your body and soul asunder. Hell stands without, as I may say, to embrace, or rather to crush your soul between its everlasting grinders than your mirth. Your joy, your sinful delights will be ended when this comes to pass, and lo, it will come. Blessed are all those that through Jesus Christ and his merits by faith to escape these soul-murdering companions. And in hell he lifted up his eyes. 
third. The third thing you know that we did observe from these words with this. Did some are so fast asleep and secure in their sins that they scarce know where they are until they come into hell? And that I told you, I gather by these words, in hell he lifted up his eyes. Mark, it was in hell that he lifted up his eyes. Now some do understand by these words that he came to himself, or begin to consider with himself, or to think with himself, and what a state he was, and what he was deprived of, which is still a confirmation of the thing laid down by me. There it is, that they come to themselves. That is, there they are sensible where they are indeed. Thus it fares with some men that they scarce know where they are until they lift up their eyes in hell. It is with those people as with those that fall down in a swoon. You know, if a man falls down in a swoon in one room, though you may take him up and carry him into another, yet he is not sensible where he is till he comes unto himself and lifts up his eyes. Truly thus, it is to be feared. It is with many poor souls. They are so senseless, so hardened, so seared in their conscience that they are very ignorant of their state. And when death comes, it strikes them as it were into a swoon, especially if they die suddenly. And so they are hurried away and scarce know where they are until in hell they lift up their eyes. This is he who dies in his full strength, being wholly at ease and quiet, Job 21, verse 23. Of this sort are they spoken of in Psalm 73, where he says, There are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. And again, they spend their days in wealth, and in a moment, mark, in a moment, before they are aware, they go down to the grave, Job 21, verse 13. Indeed, this is too much known by woeful and daily experience. Sometimes when we go to visit them that are sick in the towns and places where we live, oh, how senseless, how seared in their consciences are they. They are neither sensible of heaven nor of hell of sin, nor of a savior. Speak to them of their condition and the state of their souls, and you shall find them as ignorant as if they had no souls to regard. Others, though they lie ready to die, yet they are busy in themselves about their outward affairs, as though they should certainly live here, even to live and enjoy it forever. Again, come to others. Speak to them about the state of their souls, though they have no more experience of the new birth, than a beast, yet they will speak as confidently of their eternal state and the welfare of their souls as if they had the most excellent experience of any man or woman in the world, saying, I shall have peace. Deuteronomy 29.19 When, as I said even now, the Lord knows they are as ignorant of the new birth, of the nature and operation of faith, of the witness of the Spirit, as if there were no new birth, no faith, no witness of the Spirit in Christ and any of the saints in the world. Nay, thus many of them are, even an hour or less before their departure. Ah, poor souls! Though they may go away here like a lamb, as the world says, yet if you could but follow them a little to stand and listen soon after their departure, it is to be feared you should hear them roar like a lion at their first entrance into hell, far worse than even did Cor and company when they went down into the ground. Number 16, verses 31 to 35. Now by this one thing, the devil takes great advantage 
on the hearts of the ignorant, suggesting to them that because the party deceased departed so quietly, without all doubt they are gone to rest and joy, when alas it is to be feared the reason why they went away so quietly was rather because they were so senseless and hardened in their consciences, yea, dead in sins and trespasses. For had they but some awakenings on their deathbeds, as some have had, they would have made all the town the ring of their doleful condition. But because they are seared and ignorant, and so depart quietly, therefore the world takes heart at grace, as we used to say, and makes no great manner of living and dying they cannot tell how. Therefore pride compasses them as a chain. But let them look to themselves, for if they have not an interest in the Lord Jesus now while they live in the world, they will, whether they die raging or still go to the same place and lift up their eyes in hell. Oh, my friends, did you but know what a miserable condition they are in that go out of this world without an interest in the Son of God? It would make you smite upon your thigh, and in the bitterness of your souls cry out, Men and brethren, what shall we do to be saved? Acts 16, 29-31. And not only so, but you would not be comforted until you found rest for your soul in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and sees Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Something in brief I observed from the first part of this verse, namely from these words, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, and indeed I have observed but some thing, for they are full of manner, and many things might be taken notice of in them. There is one thing more that I might touch upon as touched in the saying than that is, I thank the Lord Jesus Christ. By this signifies that men are naturally unwilling to see or take notice of their sad state. I say by nature, but though now they are willingly ignorant, yet in hell they shall lift up their eyes. That is, in hell they shall see and understand their miserable condition. And therefore, to these words, in hell he lifted up his eyes, he adds, being in torments, as if he had said that once they shut their eyes, the once they were willingly ignorant, yet when they depart into hell they shall be so miserably handled and tormented that they shall be forced to lift up their eyes. While men live in this world, and are in a natural state, they will have a good conceit of themselves and of their condition. They will conclude that they are Christians, that Abraham is their father, and that their state is as good as the best, Matthew 3, verses 7 and 9. They will conclude they have faith, the spirit, a good hope, and an interest in the Lord Jesus Christ. But then, when they drop into hell, and behold, first, their soul to be in extreme torments, their dwelling to be the bottomless pit, their company thousands of damned souls, also the innumerable company of devils, in the hot, scalding vengeance of God, not only to draw, but to fall very violently upon them. Then they will begin to be awakened, who all their lifetime were in a dead sleep, I say, when this comes to pass. Lo, it will, then in hell they shall lift up their eyes, in the midst of torments they shall lift up their eyes. Again, you may observe in these words, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, that the time of the ungodly men smarting for their sins will be in the torments of hell. Now here I am put to a stand, when I consider the 
torments of hell into which the damned fall. Oh, unspeakable torments. Oh, endless torments. Now that your soul might be made to flee from those intolerable torments into which the damned go, I shall show you briefly what are the torments of hell, first, by the names of it, second, by the sad state you will be in if you go there, first, the names. It is called a never-dying worm, Mark 9. It is called an oven fire hot in Malachi 4, verse 1. It is called a furnace, a fiery furnace, Matthew 13. It is called the bottomless pit, the unquenchable fire, fire and brimstone, hell fire, the lake of fire, devouring fire, everlasting fire, eternal fire, a stream of fire, Revelation 21. Second, by the sad state you will be in if you go there. One part of your torments will be this. You will have a full sight of all your ill-spent life from first to last. Though here you can sin today and forget it by tomorrow, yet there you shall be made to remember how you did sin against God at such a time and in such a place for such a thing and with such an one, which will be a hell to you. God will set them in order before your eyes. Psalm 51, 21. Number two, you shall have the guilt of them all lie heavy on your soul. Not only the guilt of one or two sins, but the guilt of them all together. And there they shall lie in your soul, as if your belly were full of pitch and set on fire. Here men can sometimes think on their sins with delight, but there with unspeakable torment. For that I understand to be the fire that Christ speaks of which shall never be quenched, Mark 9, verses 43 to 49. While men live here, oh, how does the guilt of one sin sometimes crush the soul? It makes a man in such a plight that he is weary of his life, so that he can neither rest at home nor abroad, neither up nor in bed. Nay, I do know that there have been some so tormented with the guilt of one sinful thought that they had been at their wit's end and had been ready to hang themselves. But now when you come into hell and have not only one or two sins or an hundred sins with the guilt of them all on your soul and body, but all the sins that ever you committed since you came into the world, altogether clapped on your conscience at one time, as one would clap a red-hot iron to your breast and there to continue to all eternity, this is miserable. Again, you will have brought to your remembrance the slighting of the gospel of Christ. Here you shall consider how willing Christ was to come into the world to save sinners, and for what a trifle you rejected him. This is plainly held forth in Isaiah 28. We're speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, the foundation of salvation, he says to them that reject the gospel that when the overflowing scourge passes through the earth, which I understand to be at the end of the world, then he says, it shall take you morning by morning, by day and by night, till it pass over you, that is, continually, without any intermission, and it shall be a vexation only to understand the report, a vexation, that is a torment, or a great part of hell, only to understand the report, to understand the good tidings that came into the world by Christ's death for poor sinners. And you will find this fairly to be the mind of the Spirit if you compare it with Isaiah 53 verse 1, where he speaks of men's turning their backs upon the tenders of God's grace and the gospel. He says, Who has believed our report, or the gospel declared by us? 
Now this will be a mighty torment to the ungodly, when they shall understand the goodness of God, that it was so great that even has sent a son out of his bosom to die for sinners, and yet that they should be so foolish as to put him off from one time to another, that they should be so foolish as to lose heaven and Christ and eternal life and glory for the society of a company of drunkards, that they should lose their souls for a little sport, for this world, for a strumpet, for that which is lighter than vanity and nothing. I say this will be a very great torment unto you. Another part of your torment will be this. You shall see your friends, your acquaintance, your neighbors, nay, it may be your father, your mother, your wife, your husband, your children, your brother, your sister, with others in the kingdom of heaven, and you yourself thrust out. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you shall see Abraham, your father, and Isaac and Jacob together with your brethren, and all the prophets in the kingdom of heaven, and you yourselves thrust out. Nay, he says, they shall come from the east and from the west, that is, those that you did never see in all your life before, and they shall sit down with your friends and your neighbors, your wife and your children in the kingdom of heaven, and you for your sins and disobedience shall be shut, nay, thrust out, terrible torment. Again, you shall have none but a company of damned souls with an innumerable company of devils to keep company with you. While you were in this world, the very thoughts of the devils appearing to you makes your flesh to tremble, and your hair ready to stand upright on your head. But oh, what will you do when not only the supposition of the devils appearing, but the real society of all the devils in hell will be with you, howling, roaring, screeching, in such a hideous manner, that you will even be at your wit's end, and be ready to run stark mad again for anguish and torment. Again, that you might be tormented to purpose a mighty God of heaven will lay his great wrath and vengeance upon you as ever he can by the might of his glorious power. As I said before, you shall have his wrath not by drops, but by whole shower shall it come, thunder upon your body and soul so fast and so thick that you will be tormented out of measure. And so saith the scripture in Second Thessalonians 1 verse 9, speaking of the wicked, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when the same shall be admiring his goodness and glory. Again, this ye shall have, as I said before, without any intermission. You shall not have any ease, so long as well a man may turn himself around. You shall have it every hour, day and night, for their worm never dies, but always gnaws, and their fire is never quenched. Mark 9. Again, in this condition you must be forever, and that is as sad as all the rest. For if a man were to have all of his sins laid to his charge, in communion with the devils, and as much wrath, as the great God of heaven can inflict to him, I say, if it were brought for a time, even ten thousand years, and so end, there would be ground of comfort and hopes of deliverance. But here is your misery. This is your state forever. Here you must be forever when you look about you and see what an innumerable company of howling devils you are amongst. You shall think this again. This 
is my portion forever. When you have been in hell so many thousand years, as there are stars in the firmament or drops in the sea or sands on the seashore, yet you have to lie there forever. Oh, this one word, ever. How will it torment your soul, friends? I've only given a very short touch of the torments of hell. Oh, I am set. I am set. I'm not able to utter what my mind conceives of the torments of hell. Yet yeah, let me say of you, except of God's mercy through our Lord Jesus Christ, as you feel that with your conscience, which I cannot express with my tongue, and say I am sorely tormented in this flame, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, when the damned are in this pitiful state, surrounded with fears, with tears, with torment and vengeance, one thing they shall have, which is this, they shall see the happy and blessed state of God's children. He sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, which, as I said before, is a happy state of the saints when this life is ended. This now shall be so far from being eased to them that it shall most wonderfully aggravate or heighten their torment, as I said before. There shall be weeping, cause of lamentation, when they shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven and themselves thrust out observe those that die in their sins are far from going to heaven he sees abraham afar off and lazarus in his bosom and indeed it is just with god to deal with them that die in their sins according to what they have done and to make them who are far from righteousness now to stand far from heaven to all eternity hearken to this you stout-hearted that are far from righteousness, and that are resolved to go on in your sins. When you die, you will be far from heaven. You will see Lazarus, but it will be afar off. Again, he sees Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. These are some of the things a damned behold, so soon as they come into torment. Mark, he sees Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. Lazarus, who is he? Well, even he that was so slighted, so disregarded, so undervalued by this ungodly one while he was in the world. He sees Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. From whence observe that those who live and die, the enemies of the saints of God, let them be never so great or stout. Let them bear never so much sway while they are in the world. Let them brag and boast never so much while they are here. They shall, in spite of their teeth, see the saints. Yea, the poor saints, even the Lazaruses, are the ragged ones that belong to Jesus, to be in a better condition than themselves. Oh, who do you think was in the best condition? Who do you think saw themselves in the best condition? He that was in hell, or he that was in heaven? He that was in darkness, or he that was in light? He that was in everlasting joy, or he that was in everlasting torments. The one with God, Christ, saints, angels. The others in tormenting flames under the curse of God's eternal hatred. With the devils and their angels, together with an innumerable company of howling, roaring, cursing, ever-burning reprobates. Certainly this observation will be easily proved to be here in this world by him that looks upon it with an understanding heart and will clear itself to be true in the world to come, by such as shall go either to heaven or to hell. The second observation from these words, and he seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, is this, They that are the persecutors of the saints of the Lord now in this world shall see the Lord's persecuted ones to be they that are so highly esteemed by the Lord, 
as I said, are be in Abraham's bosom in everlasting glory. Though they, the enemies to the children of God, did so lightly esteem them, that they scorn to let them gather up the dog's meat that falls under their table. This is also verified and held forth plainly by this parable, and therefore don't be grieved. O you that are tempted, persecuted, afflicted, sighing, praying saints of the Lord, though your adversaries look upon you now with a disdainful, surly, rugged, proud, and haughty countenance, yet the time shall come when they shall spy you in Abraham's bosom. I might enlarge upon these things, but shall leave them to the Spirit of the Lord, which can better by ten thousand degrees enlarge them on your heart and conscience than I can upon a piece of paper. Therefore, leave in these to the blessing of the Lord. I shall come to the next verse, and shall be brief in speaking to that also, and so pass to the rest. Verse 24, And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. You know, I told you that verse 22 is the discovery of the departure of the ungodly and the ungodly out of this life, where he says the beggar died and the rich man also died. The 23rd verse is the discovery of the proper places both of the godly and the ungodly after death, one being in Abraham's bosom or in glory, the other in hell. Now this 24th verse is a discovery of part of the too late repentance of the ungodly when they are dropped down into hell. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. From these words, and he cried, we may observe first what a change the ungodly will have when they come into hell. Pride, before it was laughing, jesting, jeering, drinking, mocking, swearing, cursing, prating, persecuting of the godly in his prosperity among his filthy companions. But now the case is otherwise. Now he is in another frame. Now his proud, stout, courage carriages come down, cried. The laughter of the ungodly will not always last, but will be sure to end in a cry. The triumphing of the wicked is short. Job 20 verse 5. Consider, you must have a change either here or in hell. If you are not new creatures, generate persons, newborn babes in this world. Before you go there, your note will be changed. Your conditions will be changed. For if you come into hell, you must cry. Oh, it did but the singing drunkards when they're making merry on the hell bench. Think on this. It would make them change their note and cry. What shall we do? Whither shall we go when we die? But, as I said before, the devil, as he labors to get poor souls to follow their sins, so he labors also to keep the thoughts of eternal damnation out of their minds. And indeed, these two things are so nearly linked together that the devil cannot well get the soul to go on in sin with delight unless he can keep the thoughts of that terrible afterclap out of their minds. But let them know that if they shall not always be thus with them, for if when they depart they drop down into eternal destruction, they shall have such a sense of their sins and the punishment due to them, that it shall make them to cry. And he cried. Oh, what an alteration will there be among the ungodly when they go out of this world. It may be for a fortnight or a month before their departure they were light, doubt, surly, drinking themselves drunk, 
slighting God's people, mocking at goodness and delighting in sin, following the world, seeking after riches, faring deliciously, keeping company with the bravest. But now they're dropped down into hell and they cry. A little while ago they were painting their faces, feeding their lust, following their whores, robbing their neighbors, telling of lies, following a place and sports to pass away the time. But now they're in hell and they cry. And maybe last year they heard some good sermons, were invited to receive heaven, were told of their sins, and they should be pardoned if they closed in with Jesus. But they refused his offers, and sliding the grace that was once tendered, they are now in hell and they cry. Before they had so much time that they thought they could not tell how to spend it, unless it were hunting and whoring and dancing and playing and spending whole hours, yea, days, nay, weeks, in the loss of the flesh. But when they depart into another place, and begin to lift up their eyes in hell, and consider their miserable and irrecoverable condition, they will cry. Oh, what a condition will you fall in when you depart this world if you depart unconverted and not born again? You had better have been smothered the first hour you were born. It would have been better for you to have been plucked one limb from another. It had been better that you were made a dog, hoed, a serpent, nay, any other creature in the visible world than to die unconverted. And this you will find to be true. When in hell you lift up your eyes and you cry. Here then, before we go any further, you must see that it is not without good ground that these words are here spoken by our Lord, that when any of the ungodly depart into hell, they will cry. Why so? They will cry to think that they should be cut off from the land of the living, never more to have any footing therein. They will cry to think that the gospel of Christ should be so often offered to them, and that they did not profit by it. They will cry to think that now, though they would never so willingly repent and be saved, yet they are past all recovery. They will cry to think that they should be so foolish as to follow their pleasures when others were following of Christ. They will cry to think that they must be separated from God, Christ, the kingdom of hell, and that forever. To think that their crying will now do them no good. To think that at the day of judgment they must stand at the left hand of Christ among an innumerable company of the damned. They will cry to think that Lazarus, whom they once slighted, must be of them that must sit down with Christ to judge, together with Christ to pass a sentence of condemnation on their souls forever and ever. Cry to think that when the judgment is over and others are taken into the everlasting kingdom of glory, then they must depart back again into that dungeon of darkness from whence they came out to appear before the terrible tribunal. There they shall be tormented so long as eternity lasts, without the least intermission or ease. How sayest thou, thou wanton, proud, swearing, lying, ungodly wretch, whether this is to be slighted and made a mock at? And again, tell me now, if it be not better to leave your sins and to close with Christ Jesus, notwithstanding that reproach you shall meet with for so doing, than to live a little while in this world in pleasures and feeding your lusts, and neglecting the welfare of your soul, and refusing to be justified by Jesus, and in a moment to drop down to hell and to cry. Oh, consider, I say, consider, and put not off the tenders of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, lest ye lift up your eyes in hell and cry for anguish of spirit.